0: You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, and this episode is sponsored by Learning with Kelsey, a subscription box for moms who want to teach their young children at home without digging through Pinterest to find lesson plans and craft ideas. Kelsey, a mom and early childhood educator with 10 years of experience, curates the most effective educational activities for you and sends them to your doorstep with all of the materials you'll need. It's brilliant. She has a box for toddlers, preschoolers, and kindergartners, as well as a general craft box that goes along with seasonal monthly themes to keep your child busy and engaged in learning. My little sister, Laura, recently tried the craftivity box with her three little children, and she said this about it. For a non-crafty mom who hates messes, this box is a perfect solution. All of the activities are short, quick, and contained. I love that it takes zero brain power on my part. I've been letting my children choose an activity a day and they think I am the best mom ever. And for the record, Laura really is the best mom ever and I'm glad her kids can now see that. If you want to engage in meaningful learning and fun at home with your kids, you can get 50% off your first box with the code 3in30. Go to learningwithkelsey.com, that's learningwithkelsey.com and enter the code 3in30 at checkout. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30 minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. In last week's episode, I started out with a little known fact about me that I was born in an ambulance. And in today's episode, I'm going to start with a little-known quirk about me. I have an endless catalog of songs in my head, and around my family and friends, I am frequently known to burst into song at the mention of a word that reminds me of a song lyric. It's like a never-ending game of word associations that never ceases to be amusing to my husband, Ryan. When I was preparing today's episode, certain songs kept popping into my head, and I thought it might be fun to start off the episode by playing them for you just to get you in the mood for the topic that's ahead. All three of these songs are old classics that I'm sure you will recognize. So here we go. Life for free. But you can give them to the birds and bees. I want money. That is officially the most ridiculous podcast intro I have ever done. I hope you heard me singing along in a few spots. And it occurred to me as I was listening to those songs just now that there are probably are plenty of millennial moms out there listening who do not recognize those songs since all three of them are from my parents' generation. I think that means I'm getting old. But anyway, I hope that lighthearted introduction helps us to take a deep breath as we head into a topic that can often feel heavy, and that is money. My guest is Sarah Payne, a certified life coach, podcast host, and mom of four, who will be talking to us about how to have a more abundant mindset around money, instead of always feeling stress and scarcity when this topic is brought up. In last week's episode, I talked about how much I struggle with having a scarcity mindset around time. It's so easy to think that there is just never enough of it. This week's episode is a continuation of that theme, and I can't wait for you to hear Sarah's incredible wisdom and insight. Before we jump into the interview, since this has already been a rather non-traditional introduction, I want to give you a bit of a personal update. I sent this out to my email list last week, but I want to acknowledge it here as well. I don't often give personal updates here because I want to keep the episodes brief and to the point, but I also know that you guys care about me and are invested in my family, and I can't thank you enough for that, so here's my quick update. You may know that my husband Ryan and I have been wanting a third baby for over five years now, but that is just not straightforward for us because I struggle with infertility. My oldest son was adopted and my daughter was conceived with IVF. And then I had a whole bunch of health problems that made it so that we couldn't do IVF for years. Those health problems are finally under control and I was scheduled to do IVF in October and really looking forward to it. When, of course, a wrench was thrown in the plans and I got kidney stones, which again has been a chronic problem that I've had. And so I can't do IVF until my kidney stuff is resolved. So hopefully IVF is going to happen in early 2022, but I just wanted you to know that if you've heard me talking about it here and there and you've wondered what's going on, I just wanted to give you the update on that. I'm feeling okay. Physically, I'm feeling okay. This time around hasn't been nearly as painful as other times with the kidney stones. I hope, fingers crossed, that that continues. And even emotionally, I'm disappointed for sure, but I feel like I'm somewhat resigned and even peaceful with understanding that my fertility has never really been in my control. I guess I'm just sort of used to it. I sort of take each step back in stride now. And so, I'm really looking forward to doing IVF in early 2022. And in the meantime, I'm trying to use this time to prepare my body and my family and my business to hopefully be in a really stable place if a pregnancy happens for me in a few months. And so, what that looks like is really leaning into taking daily walks, eating nourishing meals, resting a lot, pouring into my kids, teaching them how to do chores around the house so that. If I'm super sick again, like I was last time I was pregnant, they might be able to help me out. And then for my business, I've decided to go ahead and launch a new program that I have been dreaming about doing for years. I was hoping to launch it in the new year, and I thought I might as well use this delay in my family planning to focus on this project that I'm super excited about. So that program is going to launch next week on Monday, October 18th. And it will give you the opportunity to work with me much more closely and take what you learn on the podcast to the next level. I'll be teaching you how to find more joy and fulfillment in your unique gifts and purpose, how to have better boundaries with others, with your kids, with yourself, and how to just have more fully and authentically loving relationships with your people. I can't wait to tell you more about it next week, but I wanted to give you a heads up that this is coming. I'm making the most of this time that I have to wait for baby number three. I have a lot of hope that this will eventually happen for our family, and I'll keep you posted, of course. I just want you to know that you're not alone if you are facing infertility struggles, if you are facing setbacks and unexpected turns in whatever your life plans are. I'm right here with you, rooting for you, and I know that we can get through this. So thank you so much for caring about me, and I hope that I will have happy baby news for you in just a few months. And with that, let's dive into today's episode. I'm not going to sing you any more cheesy songs about it. Let's hear from Sarah. Three ways to change your money mindset today. Here we go. Sarah, welcome to 3 30. I am so excited to talk to you today.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited too.
0: Well, this is a topic that I feel like can be emotional for people. Talking about money, a lot of it can be tied even back to their childhood or to their family of origin or hard things that they've gone through that have persisted in their mindset into adulthood. And so I really want to respect that today. And I hope that this is a healing conversation for people as they kind of re-envision their relationship with money and choose to have a more abundant view of it. So what is some of your experience with this topic, if you don't mind, before we jump into the takeaways? I
1: love that you mentioned that most of us do have a lot of our money beliefs that go clear back to childhood, right? Mm -hmm. And that we picked them up before we ever knew we had a choice whether or not to believe them, you know? Mm -hmm. And I find that people do have really emotional responses to money. And if you think about it, it makes sense because we're sent all sorts of messages about money like Mm -hmm. everywhere in our society, right? And it's like people who have money are better, but then they're also greedy. So we want what they have, but we don't want to be like them and all sorts of mixed messages about what money is and it can bring happiness, but it's also the root of all evil. And so it makes sense that people have some shame around it. And then there's some secrecy and it really is something worth unpacking in your Mm -hmm. life.
0: Yes, absolutely. So what is your first takeaway for how we can change our money mindsets?
1: Yeah. My first takeaway is to take an honest look at your relationship with money. And Mm -hmm. I like calling it a relationship because it kind of becomes more alive that way. Mm -hmm. And I like to ask people like, what's the story? And myself as well, what's the story that you're telling yourself about money? Like if money were a person, how are you talking about it? Mm -hmm. You know, to your friends and in your own head, Like, do you say things like, you're never enough for me? (laughs) Or why can't you give me more of what I want? do you avoid money because you don't like what you see when you take an honest look at like your bank account or how much you've spent in the last week or month? Do you spend money carelessly? Anytime you get it, you know, my mom used to say that money's burning a hole in your pocket, right? Do we like get rid of it as soon as we have it? Or do we nurture it and watch it grow or save it to purchase the things that we really care about? Mm -hmm. And I think it's just interesting to, to take a look at it As if it were a person. Like, it's kind of like a silly little exercise, but really, like, how do we talk about money? And if it were a person, like, would I want someone to say those things about me or would I want people to overhear what I was saying about them? I think it's a really important step to just consider that, to consider how we talk about it. I think that if we just drop all the drama around money, like, what if it were just a number on a spreadsheet versus Mm -hmm. like connecting it with our value? A few years ago, when I first started doing work to change my own money mindset, which I want to add that I do all the time, it's not like this box that I've checked. It's something that I'm continually revisiting, just like my relationship with my husband or my children. But my main thought used to be like, there's never enough. And Mm. that track just ran over and over in my head. And when I thought about money that way, that's all that I would notice all the Mm -hmm. ways we didn't have enough and everybody else had more. And it created a lot of the whole compare and despair and jealousy. And then it blocked me from seeing all of the ways that we did have enough and all of the blessings that we did have that came from the money that we had. And the reality was we always had enough. We really did. Sometimes that meant that enough was like the hand-me-down shoes from a friend down the street. But my kids never did go for days without eating and things like that. And so when I was able to shift that, it was really useful.
0: Yeah. Well, I do feel like embodying it as a relationship outside of yourself almost is really powerful to think about. I had a counselor ask me to do this when I went through counseling for an eating disorder. And she had me embody my eating disorder outside of myself and write the story of how we met, what our relationship was like now, and what it would be like in the future. And that was an extremely powerful writing exercise for me to sort of track my history with this entity This person, I I wrote it Mm -hmm. as if I was meeting a friend. How did I meet my friend? What kinds of things did she say to me? What did I say to her? You know, and then I re-envisioned a different future for my relationship. You could almost do a similar writing exercise with money.
1: A hundred percent. I think I remember you sharing some of these journal entries, right? In a yes. former podcast. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think that is like such a powerful exercise. Yeah. What did you learn growing up? And then what do you think about it now? And what do you want to think about it in the future?
0: Yeah. Well, oh, so good. And I think that leads really well into your second and third takeaways. Once you've acknowledge sort of this relationship that you have and you're honest about the way you talk about money and think about it, what can you do from there to sort of start to change that relationship with money? Before we head into our second takeaway, I'd like to pause to thank a company who is making this episode possible. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. We all know that it is incredibly important to perform routine maintenance on the essentials of our lives. We get our cars tuned up to prevent bigger issues down the road. We get annual medical checkups and prioritize regular exercise to maintain physical wellness. We do chores regularly, well, we try to, to avoid a giant mess of a house. Going to therapy is like that. It's routine maintenance for your mental and emotional wellness to prevent bigger issues down the road, and it has made a tremendous difference in my life personally. Going to therapy doesn't mean something's wrong with you. It means you're investing in yourself to keep your mind healthy. Why invest in everything else and not your mind? BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and 3in30 listeners get 10% off their first month with BetterHelp Online Therapy by going to betterhelp.com 3in30. That's betterhel dot 3in30. And now, back to the show.
1: So takeaway two is to focus on what you do have. And I think we sometimes think that if we love what we have, that we can't want more. Mm. But what if both were true? What if we can love the money that we have and still want more? And I know it's cliche and like super popular right now to focus on gratitude and abundance, but it really does work to mm. focus on, you see what you focus on, right? And I want to be clear that focusing on gratitude is totally different than thinking I should just be grateful. <laughs> because mm-hmm. We say that a lot. I know I should just be grateful, and that's just a recipe for shame, that whole shooting ourselves. But when we take a minute to pause and just recognize that what we have in any given moment really is enough, then we're able to focus on what we have instead of what we lack. Mm-hmm. I remember a few years ago when we were deep in six-figure debt, my husband had just finished his medical residency. I decided consciously to like okay, how can I look at student loans in an abundant way? And what is good about this debt that we have? And as I asked myself that question at first, I was like, nothing, absolutely nothing, right? And I could commiserate with all of our friends from med school and residency and be like, this is terrible. We'll never get out of this. I remember once watching an episode of ER that totally dates me way back in the day. And a resident asked George Clooney, when did you pay off your student loans? And he's like, I'll let you know. I was like, what? (laughs) Like He's been practicing forever. And so I thought, we'll never get rid of this. But when I really tried to focus on what is good specifically about the debt, I recognized that even something as anxiety ridden as six figure debt can be a gift because education is a privilege that really is denied to many, many people. Mm -hmm. And that money that was owed to Nelnet was a reminder that my husband was able to get an education and it represented Mm -hmm. sacrifices that we both made that made us stronger people. Mm. And just like that, that money could represent all of the people that he was helping and would help in the future with his medical knowledge. Yeah. And
0: so it's now something that I decided to be
1: really proud of. So.
0: Yeah. And you are a life coach. You do a lot of work with women around their thoughts and sort of rewiring their thoughts. How would you coach someone who said that there's nothing to be thankful for in their financial situation? Yeah. Concretely, how do you start to dissect your thoughts around that?
1: Right. No, that's such a good question. And I think the first place I would start is just to ask them when they think about their financial situation that way, like there's nothing to be grateful for. Like, how do they feel? I know when I think that, it's so debilitating.
0: Mm -hmm. Right.
1: And it just closes us off to that smartest, most ingenious part of our brain that can see outside of our current situation. And Mm -hmm. so I think that's where I would start. And to bring it back to the relationship, it's similar to if someone came to me and said, there's nothing redeeming about my spouse, (laughs) nothing. Mm -hmm. Right. And instead to just, well, let's just slow down and okay, you can think that, but let's figure out how you feel when you do think that. And then what if you were wrong what if you were willing to be wrong what if we could mm-hmm. just wiggle that loose just for fun i like to say what if we could just play for a minute you can totally always go back to believing that there's nothing redeeming about your financial situation but for just a few minutes let's just talk about what if there were what mm-hmm. comes up for you
0: yeah yeah i feel like something that i hear life coaches say is is that thought serving you because thoughts don't necessarily have to be true as long as they're serving us. Right. You can decide in some ways what you want to believe because of the way it makes you feel and the action that it causes you to take as a result of that thought. Like you could look at your your bank account balance and you could say it is true that there's nothing redeeming about this. Mm-hmm. Okay, but how does that help motivate you to change, help you to operate in the world in a way that is hopeful? Right. Versus choosing to see it a different way. But sometimes we hang so tight onto our thoughts. Even if they aren't serving us, we hold on to them really, really tightly. Mm-hmm. So this may be one, like you said, just get curious about and play with what a different thought could be and see how it feels. Is that what you recommend to your clients to do?
1: Yes, for sure. And when I notice a client is really holding tight to a belief, we all do this. I totally do this in my own life too, right? And even if it's so painful, sometimes we're just like, no, it feels so true. I don't want you to take it away from me. When that's the case, I just like to ask myself and my clients, okay, what else is true? Like, okay, you don't have to give that up. I would never take that away from you. But what else is true? Like, what else is true about your money situation, right? Do you have a roof over your head right now? Yes or no. And if you don't, then are there people who are helping you take care of those needs, right? You can always start and find something redeeming about your situation if you're willing to look for it. And
0: Mm -hmm. you can find nothing if that's what you're looking for too. Yeah. And you can sit in hard emotions as well and say, this week, I want to feel really sad about my financial situation. I'm choosing that consciously. This is really, really hard. And then maybe in a few days after I've processed that emotion a little bit, I'll want to make a different choice, create a new thought around it. But we don't have to ignore those emotions, but we just want to have some clarity around what our thoughts are causing us to feel and how Mm -hmm. they're causing us to take action.
1: And show up in the world. Totally. And I love what you said about sitting with your emotions because isn't it so powerful to just give yourself permission to just be like, I'm just going to be sad right now instead Mm -hmm. of feeling sad and telling yourself you shouldn't. Yes. You should just be grateful or you should get over this or whatever. That's so painful, right? Versus there's so much freedom that comes from just being like, this is okay that I feel this way right now. I'm just going to be okay with myself.
0: Yeah. And I do feel like I feel a lot more grace for myself when I do trace back my history with something. It helps me to understand. So if I trace back, oh, the reason why this is hard for me is because this was really hard growing up, or I had this situation that was painful, or I witnessed this thing that I have a lot of sadness around from my childhood. It gives me compassion for myself mm-hmm. instead of being yes. like, you are so weak. Why can't you just snap out of it and choose to think differently? So kind of investing in exploring that relationship and Also, creating what you want for the future is really powerful.
1: One thing that came up as you were talking, particularly about if we go back to like being so compassionate with ourselves about where we first developed these beliefs, you know, that that can be really important. I think we can do that without getting angry at our parents. Yeah. We can be kind and loving, believing, okay, they did the best they could with what they had. And I want to teach my kids a different way. And -hmm. so I think sometimes we've spent so long blaming ourselves that when we're like, oh wait, but my mom taught me this, that it's so easy to be like, it's her fault versus Mm. she did the best she could. And I totally disagree with the way that she taught me. So I'm going to teach my kids a different way.
0: Yeah. And so often those experiences from our childhood may not have been something that our parents did wrong or taught us wrong. It might be just circumstances were such Mm -hmm. that the money was just really, really tight. And that may have a long term lasting impact on you, but it's nobody's fault. And it's our responsibility to sort of heal those things and move forward.
1: Yes. I like to say like, I believed this when I was a child, but I'm not a child anymore. So I get to choose on purpose if I want to continue to believe this way with like so much love and compassion for that child in you, right?
0: Yes. So much.
1: This helped me so much in so many ways. And I think I'm ready to let it go now. I think yeah. I'm ready to change this relationship I have with money.
0: Yes, absolutely. Which I think leads really well into your final takeaway.
1: Yes. And my final takeaway is to stop spending so much time worrying about not having enough money and instead ask yourself some more useful questions. Mm. People say this a lot now that worry pretends to be useful, right? And so we we worry because we think that it will prevent something from happening in the future. Mm. But what it really does is it just robs us of the current moment, right? And if we take that energy that we spend worrying about not having enough money and instead think creatively about how you can put more value into the world and create more money if you want to, then that's just such a better use of our brain space, right? Mm-hmm. I like believe wholeheartedly that we live in the greatest time in the history of the world, even in the middle of a pandemic. Like if you look at the history of the world, I'll take this time. And I don't want to diminish any of the really hard things people are going through, but there's never been a better time to be a human being on this planet, and I would say to be a woman than there mm. is now. That I remember hearing Rachel Hollis say, All you need is a computer and an internet connection to create something valuable from the mm. comfort of your own home. And I was like, What? Is that true? I really want to teach my children that it's fun to make money, that money doesn't have to be hard. Like sometimes the things we just say, they seem so heavy, right? Mm. We live in an amazing world where There's never been more opportunities to creatively make money than there are now. I mean, you are a living example of that, right, Rachel? You can be a mom and you can have a business that changes people's lives if Mm -hmm. you want to. I remember that as a kid, my mom totally described me as a chronic worrier. She would be like, stop worrying. You're going to get ulcers. And I didn't even know what ulcers were. (laughs) I was so young. But my point in telling that story is if I can change my worrying ways, then Mm -hmm. anybody can. I think it's important to ask ourselves, what if I could do something and still be a mom? And what am I secretly passionate about? What are my deepest, most secret desires? And if I could create anything and not be afraid, what would I do? I was Mm. recently watching Sarah Blakely, who's the founder of Spanx and one of the most successful female entrepreneurs in the world. I was watching a masterclass by her and she she asked these three questions when finding your purpose. She said, what do you enjoy? What are you good at? And how do you want to serve the world? And she said, if that third question, how do you want to serve the world doesn't bring up much for you? She said, what breaks your heart? That will Mm. almost always bring things up for people. If you ask your brain good questions, then it's going to offer you up some really interesting answers. And so I just would like to offer to all of your listeners that instead of spending so much time worrying, what if you could spend time and energy creating something that were valuable?
0: Yeah, I have heard a business coach, her name is Rachel Rogers, and she talks about how as a business owner, you can operate from sort of a scarcity mindset around money and revenue. And this is true for non-business owners as well. Mm -hmm. Or you can operate from more of this abundance mindset where she said, if there's something that you want for your business or for your life, instead of thinking that's so expensive, I can't afford it, think... What can I do to earn the money to have that thing? She has you go through this workbook and brainstorm all of the different ways that you could add value, all of the different things that you could offer or sell in order to add value to afford the thing that you're wanting. So if you want to go to a workshop or something, figure out, okay, the workshop ticket is $100 or $150. What could I do to earn $150 so that I can access that opportunity that I would love to be a part of. I could babysit. I could teach piano lessons or edit college essays for friends if I have that skill set. Or I could do laundry and iron for people for a month to do that. Whatever it might be, what can you do to bring in that money to make it possible? Instead of always thinking, I can't, it may be true you can't afford it yet, but when you break it down, sometimes you're like, oh, that actually is quite possible totally. to figure out how to make $100 this month so that I can go to that thing in most circumstances. I do always want to acknowledge that there are situations that sometimes families truly cannot make that happen. But I think more often than not, we tell ourselves that we can't win with some creativity. And like you said, putting the energy there
1: instead mm-hmm.
0: of on the lack, then you can get creative and figure out some solutions to make those things possible. So often as women, we hesitate to spend money on ourselves when we gladly spend it on the hobbies and talents of our children. And the
1: development put- of them, right? Yes. Yes.
0: And you can invest in something that will make you really happy. Mm-hmm. And you can figure out ways to afford that if you get creative. Yes. Well, Sarah, if listeners want to learn more from you, where can they find you?
1: Yeah. So I'm on my website at com. no H on the Sarah. And then I also have a podcast as well. It's called The Doctor's Wife. I work specifically with women who are married to physicians and there's several podcasts about money and seeing money in a different way so they can find me there. And then I'm on Instagram and all the social media places at Sarah Payne Coaching. So.
0: All right. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time today and for coming on 3 and 30 and giving us a new perspective on money. And we're so grateful for your time.
1: Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. So much fun.
0: I hope you enjoyed this episode and it gave you some new thoughts to consider as you improve your own relationship with money. One thing that fascinates me about life coaches is that they ask such insightful questions that force you to think in new ways and uncover answers for yourself. They rarely come straight out and tell you what to do. Sarah did this beautifully in this episode because she asked us so many great questions to unpack, and to make that easier for you, I've created a brainstorm worksheet to accompany this episode with so many of her questions included. You can download that worksheet by going to the show notes or going to 3in30podcast.com moneymindset. As a quick recap, here are her three takeaways and some of the accompanying reflection questions that can help us change our mindset around money. First... Take an honest look at your relationship with money. Think of it as a person or an entity that you are in relationship with and ask yourself if you like where that relationship is heading. Ask yourself questions like, what kind of story am I telling about money? If money were a person, how would I talk to or about it? How would it talk to me? What is my history with money and where do my thoughts about it come from? I love when Sarah pointed out that she is constantly working on her relationship with money, just like she does with all of the other important relationships in her life. She can improve that relationship when she consciously chooses how she wants to nurture it. Which leads to takeaway number two, focus on what you have instead of what you lack. It might sound cliche to try to focus on abundance and gratitude, but it really can help you to reframe your situation and get your relationship with money moving in a more positive direction. Ask yourself, what can I be thankful for within my financial situation? Is there anything that I can reframe or think of as a blessing? What if there were? Third and finally, stop spending so much time worrying about money and use that time and energy to start creating possibility in your life. That might look like brainstorming ways that you can make money or it might not. It all depends on what you want to do. Challenge yourself to think outside the box on what you might be able to create or contribute. My friends, as I mentioned at the beginning of my conversation with Sarah, I know this isn't a simple topic, and I know that it can hold a lot of very real pain for people. I hope this conversation gives you a starting place to start reenvisioning your relationship with money, and I hope that you can sense that I am always rooting for you through all of life's circumstances. If you need a laugh this week, I hope that you will think about me singing those ridiculous 70s and 80s songs about money, or better yet, get them pumping in your own house and dance it out with your kids. And I hope that you have a great week with your family.